And in Buffalo, I'm Peter Holm, along with Catherine Larson. You're listening to WBFO and WBFO HD1, Buffalo, WOLN, Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. We are four minutes away from today's edition of Buffalo What's Next? Interviews with Kaz Rodriguez and Tyron Tapia, and they're going to talk about the Hispanic community here in Buffalo. All part of the program Buffalo What's Next, which was solely funded by listeners. Listeners just like you who chose to call 1-877-456-8870 or visit WBFO.org. Right now, before we get into Buffalo What's Next. We're continuing to raise the dollars to support Buffalo What's Next. I'm Peter Hall. Here's Katherine Larson. That's right, Peter. Exactly. I mean, Buffalo What's Next, after uh, May 14th last year, we knew that we needed to do something, not just to let it um, go. And so we quickly put on the air um, Buffalo What's Next um, solely with the existing staff and have continued. We're up to, this is our 194th episode. And we couldn't be more proud of this, but it really is only made possible by you, the listeners. You made a difference for us. You made it possible for us to do this. And we have hopes of expanding. We have hopes of expanding more local programming. And that will be possible by all of you giving us a call right now at 877-456-8870 or go online to WBFO.org. Every single dollar counts. Uh, at, during this this fundraising drive. If you can give us $20 or commit to $20 a month, that is fabulous. But if, uh, if it's more comfortable in your budget, $5 a month, that is equally fabulous. Uh, um, you know, or we'll lump sum for $1,000. It's completely up to you. What you are comfortable with, what this station means to you, is the right amount. 877-456-8870. If you travel throughout the United States, no doubt you are aware that other cities also have NPR affiliates. But Buffalo What's Next is, as the title implies, completely unique to our city. It was created right here in the WBFO studios. That's something worth celebrating. And the best part was it was created quickly using member dollars right away. There wasn't a complicated process of no, funding. Really the wasn't. money was there because folks were generous. I'm asking you to continue the generosity as we approach the anniversary of May 14th. Let's keep in mind how important it is to discuss topics with marginalized communities. That's the purpose of Buffalo What's Next. Make it possible by your call to 1-877-456-8870. Definitely. I mean, we have a, a number of incentives. Thank you gifts. You can see those online. But really, you, your dollars and your support is what's most important during this program, that we know that we can count on you, the listener out there. And and that is what has been happening. And in, in, in the past, 51% is the number of that uh, yeah 51% is the amount of the dollars in the pool from you the listener I'm not sure why I was struggling over that one but sorry about that um but it is that just shows how important you the listener is it really you really are vital to the health and strength of this station WBFO is your NPR station your source for news 877 456 8870 is the number to call or go online to wbfo.org and thank you for your call. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're gonna have some real healing. We've gotta have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Welcome to Buffalo What's Next. I am Lorenzo Rodriguez. And despite what you may think, the gentleman seated here next to me to my right, uh, not related, 
Not related at all, but I guess in a way, we <laughs> somewhere down the line, you know, maybe we are. I'm here with Casimiro Rodriguez, uh, a a just. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to go through your resume, but you are the founder of the Hispanic Heritage Council of Western New York. But among that, you're 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 the guy. You're you're the 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 the, the ambassador to all things Latino, Hispanic in Western New York. At least that's a, that's my my immediate uh, understanding because I got I for full transparency's sake, uh, I got the job here at WBFO uh, not too long ago as as producer of this show. And one of the first few to congratulate me on the on the position, the new hire, was Cass. So, Cass, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Lorenzo. Thank you for the the welcome you've extended me. Um, uh, full disclosure as well for our, our listening audience, Cass is on, our, on the board of, of WBFO, uh, so there is that to, to mention. But you are, as I, as I said, very connected and plugged into the Hispanic community through your efforts with the, with the Heritage Council. Um, you're the president emeritus there. You're the founder, and as a newly uh, transplanted Hispanic, Hispano, now here in in in, in Buffalo, um, it's been great to hear from you, and in the, and you've given me a lot of great restaurant uh, recommendations. <laughs> I needed that. I came. I come from Miami, so I was looking for, as we call it, comida criolla, some something with some sazon, some seasoning. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate the welcome you've given me and, and what you're you're doing for the Hispanic community out here in Western New York. We appreciate you, Lorenzo. And, uh, you know, the only reason why I, I reached out to you and congratulate you is because, you know, we get excited when uh, new Latinos, Hispanics come to the area, especially in journalism. You know, there, there's not many that come to the area in journalism. And, uh, and the ones that do come, you know, we, we just have to welcome them to Western New York because it's something big. You know, our community, it's growing leaps and bounds. And to have someone in journalism and, and uh, with your resume and your background uh, to be the producer here at WBFO, WNED, you know, it, it's big. So, you know, we have to welcome you. We have to well, yeah, welcome you in a way that you're going to stay here and well, not leave. Here, I mean, my, my wife <laughs> Brought me here, so I don't know if we're. we're I don't think I'm leaving anytime what, soon. Was it her decision oh, yeah. or your decision? Oh yeah, no, it was, was all it? her. Uh, uh, we great. we had two girls, and the, the need was family. La familia is 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 paramount, and we needed that 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 big village. And and she's from Buffalo, and it was either here or Miami. And guess who guess who won out in that one? <laughs> Western New York, exactly. So and it's uh, a great place to to raise a family. That I've I've noticed that I've I've, I've quickly uh, come to to realize that we're gonna. We're going to discuss is, is kind of a primer of, of the Western New York landscape. Uh, where where are the Hispanics located? Where are we where are we thriving? Where are the areas that we need to support one another? I also would like to eventually go into some of the, the things that the, the the Heritage Council is working on, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But well, now it's Casimiro, but everyone that Cass. knows you is is, is Cass. <laughs> I, I, it's like it, it's it's synonymous with you. Cast the, the local history is is we've been here. There, I mean, there's Mexicans, there's Spanish, there's Central, South South American. There's there's Hispanics is a broad term. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let's start there because this is something that a colleague of mine was was trying to figure out, and I think I know the answer. But very simple here. I told you Hispanic 101. Hispanics and Latinos. What's the difference there? What's the difference? Yes. Well, Latinos are uh, people like me, born and raised here, that come from a motherland like Puerto Rico. You know, my parents came uh, from Puerto Rico in the early 1950s. You know, uh, the the Hispanic population here in western New York is is a growing one, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know. Uh, they've been, uh, we've been part of the fabric of Western New York since the late 1800s. You know, our organization, the Hispanic Heritage Council of Western New York, uh, when uh, I founded the organization back in 2010, and one of the, one of the first uh, projects that, that we embarked on was uh, to document mm-hmm. the history of Hispanics here in Western New York. And we started doing research, uh, you know, with the... Uh, Buffalo History Museum, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library, strong partners. We started doing research as to when did the Hispanics really set ground here in western New York? Uh, because, you know, we, the Hispanics are represented in 22 Hispanic countries. Mm-hmm. You know, many of these, con- oh, all of these countries, uh, the, the dominant language is Spanish, of course. 
you know, and a lot of folks, uh, you know, they 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 uh, migrate from those um, uh, countries uh, to places like Western New York, but all across America. You know, we we have a, a population here in Western New York of around seventy five thousand. Wow. In the city of Buffalo, there's forty five thousand. Eighty five percent of uh, uh, of that population are from Puerto Rico. Why Puerto Rico? Because Puerto Rico is part of the United States. You know, you can go and come as you please. Uh, you don't need passport. Uh, we're U.S. citizens. So, so the large population is, is Puerto Rican. But we have uh, pop, uh, people from Colombia, Venezuela, Cuba, Mexico, yeah, one Cuba Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a melting pot mm-hmm. uh, of of um, heritage. You know, and we're very proud of that because, you know, we we celebrate all cultures in the Hispanic uh, arena. And, uh, by the way, the answer I was looking for, I think it's it's the language. I think the, It's the, the language. Hispanic. It's going to be Spanish. Or, yeah. Because if, for Latinos, it's, it's Latin American countries. Uh, Hispanics, it's it's the language. Brazil is Latin America, but it's not a Hispanic. It's not a Hispanic country, right. no. You said you, your parents got, came here in the 50s, correct? Yeah, my parents came here in the in the early 1950s. My dad came first mm-hmm. uh, from, from Puerto Rico. He came to work the farms. Matter of fact, uh, he didn't come directly to Western New York to the Buffalo Lackawanna area. Mm-hmm. Okay, he came to uh, uh, Michigan. Okay, and he came to work the farms in in Michigan. But uh, he heard about the thriving in steel and rail. And uh, back then, you know, uh, Bethlehem Steel was yep. a thriving steel industry. Uh, the railroad was thriving, and there was a lot of employment here in uh, western New York, so he made it to uh, the city of Lackawanna where he um, uh, went to work at Bethlehem Steel Plant. And this was, like I said, the early 50s. And once he got employed at Bethlehem Steel, uh, you know, he started uh, calling for my mom uh, back in Puerto Rico. You know, I'm number 12 of 13 children. Wow. Okay. Wow. And and um, uh, the number 12, myself and my sister, 13, we were born that's here. A, that's a busy we, din- dining yeah, room table. <laughs> yeah. We, we were born here. We were born in Lackawanna, but all my older brothers and sisters, they were all born in Puerto Rico. So that's where we grew up, in the city of Lackawanna. I always say today that the city of Lackawanna, okay, was the um, crib or was the genesis of the Hispanic movement here in western New York. Okay, because I was going to ask you where— where are yeah. the concentrations? I know west the west side of Buffalo has. has well, a now it is. Today it is. The, you know the west and... the west Buffalo, East Buffalo. You know Swan Street area. That's why you got the the Pucho Olivencia Community Center there, the Puerto Rican Center on Swan Street, because there was a high concentration of Hispanics in that Swan Street, Myrtle Avenue, Seneca Street area. Uh, but also in West Buffalo, in, on Virginia Street, Niagara Street, which is the Niagara Street corridor, which today is the, is noted for the Hispanic Heritage District, Avenida San Juan. I drive down down it every day to get to yeah. our studios, and I see the I see the 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 the, the banners that fly with like I, I saw Tito Puente, uh, yeah. the the famed drummer, uh, and I'm like, oh hey, that's Tito. Uh, just something that that caught my eye, but uh, it was something that that immediately I'm like, oh thank goodness, there's. We're, we're represented out here. Yeah. The Latino connection, mm-hmm. you know, and some of those figures are national figures uh, that that passed. Some are still living. Like I said, the Hispanic Heritage District, you, you you know, you drive or you walk up and down that corridor there, which is extends from City Hall to Porter Avenue. You know, there's a lot of uh, Hispanic history there. You got the parapets. You got the landmarks that talk about the uh, the, the history of Hispanics dating back to the late 1800s. Then you got the murals, you got the arches, you got the wayfinding signs, you got the interpretive signage. You know, you got a lot of uh, connection to the history of Hispanics, even though that area at one time was uh, Italian-American, you know, in the, uh, in the 60s and, and 70s. You know, Hispanics started moving into that area, and pretty much that's where the community grew right there in the lower west side of Buffalo. But now, you know, as you extend yourself north uh, of Buffalo, you know, in Black Rock, Riverside, uh, you know, you got heavy concentration of Hispanics there as well because the community has grown. 
You know, but we're very proud of all of that. As we should be. As we should be. I'm here with Casimiro Rodriguez, Kaz for short. No relation, by the way. Uh, one of our board members here at WBFO, but also more importantly, the the founder, the president emeritus of, yeah. of the Hispanic Heritage Council of Western New York. And you mentioned history. You mentioned a connection to the past. You, you mentioned a, uh, tapping into uh, the what makes us Hispanics. Uh, and there's a new, there's a current initiative that that is that you, you're spearheading uh, with the the Heritage Council. Uh, it's an institute. It's, that's it's correct. Where that that's been going on now for some years now. Where are we in in the proceedings? Where 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 well, does it stand? Uh, uh, the Hispanic Heritage Cultural Institute's always been the vision uh, of the organization ever since I founded the organization. You know, uh, we've grown baby steps uh, in the last thirteen years. You know, we were founded in two thousand and ten, and the institute has always been uh, one of the uh, uh, main objectives of which uh, we exist. And, uh, you know, that's starting to come to fruition. Back in 2019, uh, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we announced that we would like to build a, an institute, a, an area where we can preserve the history of Hispanics. Uh, you know, and the institute's going, it's going, we're going to build it on the corner of Niagara in Hudson, we announced it in 2019, but we know that in 2020 there was a pandemic that really slowed the project down. But it's going to be a 37,000 square foot facility. It's going to have a uh, cafe, a gift shop, a museum, art gallery, a theater. Okay, uh, many amenities that our community does not have today. Okay. Uh, uh, the second floor will have some learning labs for the children where the children can learn about their roots, their history, and also educational programs, uh, experiential learning programs that will help our, our children grow into the leaders of tomorrow. So we'll have learning labs. We'll have a media center for radio and TV. You know, here in western New York, uh, you know, uh, we do not have uh, – Hispanic-owned and operated radio, or TV for that matter. So, you know, we, we plan on having a media center, state-of-the-art uh, uh, facilities where uh, we do not, uh, we will not only be able to communicate, educate, or inform our community in our language, but bilingual. You know, and it also be an incubator for our high school kids so that they can come in and get behind a camera and, 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 and do TV production or get behind a, a microphone like we here today and do a podcast or a radio. You know, we're working uh, with the FCC uh, to identify the window uh, when uh, a frequency will be available so that we can apply. And uh, we hope to, to that media center to really meet uh, not only uh, uh, the needs of our community, but also uh, train and educate and, uh, you know, um, uh, help our, our, our young uh, leaders of tomorrow get into journalism. You know, we'll like, we'll like them to someday be a, a Lorenzo Rodriguez. Yeah, it feels like you're, you're training the next crop of, of people to come take my job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We want them to take your no, job no, someday. I, but I, I joke that, that this is, I mean, for me as a second generation uh, Hispanic here in, in the United States, uh, it's important. I mean, I, 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 my native tongue was Spanish. Uh, I, I, I still speak it with my folks uh, when we talk. But my daughters, uh, main, maintaining their, their Hispanic roots is something I hope to uh, I, I set forth for myself. I try the best I can, but it involves um, not just my, my wife knows a little bit of Spanish, un poquito, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but practicing it, being around it, uh, there's some great things being done out here by, in, by like people like in El Bate that uh, keep uh, just reminding the younger generation and and even those older uh, about their roots, about their where they come from. Uh, if you don't if you don't know where you came from, what what, what do you have? That? You know that's a that's a very important component to to life. You know to be able to celebrate your traditions, your customs, your language, your food. Yeah, you know your traditions. You know all of this is very important to to growing up. You know, uh, and it's very important that our children. 
do not lose, uh, you, you know, their heritage. And that's one of the main reasons why we exist as an organization. You know, we, we educate our own, but also we educate the community at large. You know, the third floor of the facility will have an activities hall where, you know, our families can celebrate their birthdays or their weddings. I'm going to need a quince space well, eventually and, and in a few that, years. So. And hopefully, you know, the quinceañeras, that's very <laughs> traditional. So, you know, we'll have an activities hall to, to facilitate that. We'll have a, a, a commercial kitchen for culinary programs uh, for healthy cooking. You know that... Uh, cooking is important. La we cocina need, yes. is very important in the household of uh, our household. So it's very important to have these types of programs. You know, what we like to do is have everyone that walks into the facility have an experience from the time they come in to the time they leave. You know, we want to be a a facility, an institution that uh, not only uh, is about brick and mortar, it's about a, a facility where where we can transform lives, change lives, give good experiences. Uh, you know, the west side of Buffalo is a growing community, not only with the Hispanic community, but the immigrant community. You know, uh, the new Americans, you know, uh, our friends and our partners, you know, they do not have facilities mm-hmm. uh, in media where they can have uh, their programs in their own language for their community. So we want to extend that olive branch to them as well so that they can utilize the space as well. That's excellent. Yeah. Not just not it's it's inclusive, not exclusive. Uh, it sounds like I've seen I've seen uh, reports on it. I've seen the the, the, the mock-ups. It looks like a, a wonderful building that I can't wait to to experience at some point. Where can can others uh, find out more about the the, the council? Uh, what what the events are coming up? Are there, is there anything that that uh, you can promote? Sure, uh, you know uh, we have a very active website, www.hispanicheritagewny.org, or social media, Hispanic Heritage Council of Western New York. You know those are two uh, outlets that uh, you can find a wealth of information, not only about the institute. Okay, uh, but uh, about our organization, about events and activities. You know, we have a very important activity coming up uh, just this coming week, Dia del Niño, the Day of the Child, April thirtieth. Yeah, where we celebrate, you know, our children, a very uh, important component, not only to our families but uh, to our community. We celebrate them uh, through literacy, nutrition, character. You know, all these values that are very important. But going back to the Institute, you know, right now we're in the uh, phase of uh, the City of Buffalo Planning Board mm-hmm. uh, for our variances, for our zoning, for our uh, permits. You know, we hope that that uh, process uh, will be completed uh, probably by the end of May, if all goes well. And our capital con- campaign continues. You know, we're working with the financial institution to make sure that our construction loans are in order so that we can announce a groundbreaking hopefully this summer and then an opening uh, hopefully in the fall of 2024 if all goes well and and we're confident it will because it seems like the 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 finish line is in sight and that's that's exciting that's that's it's great to hear that there's a a place for 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 latinos for hispanics for for anyone everyone to to come in and and just embed themselves in, in in our in our ways of life, culture, art, uh, you name it, history. Um, Cass, one question we ask on the show in one form or another is, is, is as the show is titled, what's next? What's, what are the things that we need to address or work on in the Hispanic community? Well, you know, one, one very important bond is uh, government. You know, the relationships you have to deal, uh, develop as community leaders and as a community with uh, government, whether it be city, state, county, government. It's very important, uh, you know, to develop these strong relationships with our elected officials and our representatives because, uh, you know, if we, when we have the opportunity to be at the table to uh, express, uh, you know, our, the needs of our community and uh, how our community, uh, with their help, with the help of government, because, you know, uh, it's, 
it's true. You know, you, you have a job economically, you know, you're, you're stable and what have you. But government, uh, having that partnership, strong partnership and relationship, we need government to help the communities thrive. And, you know, a perfect example is the Institute. You know, our capital campaign, 85% of the funds that we've raised have been uh, coming uh, from government. So it, it shows you that, you know, those relationships are very important, you know, to to help not only in a, in a project like this, the Institute, but also in housing, in health, in education, you know, there's so many areas that, you know, the community uh, needs support in order to thrive. You know, we, we have a very um, a good Buffalo Public School System, you know, and part of the Buffalo Public School System is the bilingual program where, you know, there's there, there, there schools, uh, you know, in our community that uh, teach bilingual education you know, for, for the, the newly arrivals that come from Puerto Rico or from whatever other Hispanic countries where they can be taught in their native language till they get up to speed with their English. So, you know, those, those opportunities are very real to, to, to the growth of, of, of our community and our, to strengthen our families. So, you know, I, I think that what's next is continue continue the, the, the relationships and the strong partnerships with government, education, health entities, you know, the health entities because of the health disparities that our communities suffers and what have you. You know, it's very important to be at the table. And that's the reason why, you know, I belong to several boards here in Western New York. And that's the reason why, you know, I belong to these boards is to bring the agenda of our community so that our community can be heard and our community can be served. Well, Cass, I appreciate you as a as a fellow Hispanic. I appreciate you doing that on behalf of our collective, uh, and I appreciate you giving us some time today to, to to our show, Buffalo. What's next? Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you very much, Lorenzo, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate everyone here at WBFO for everything that you do. Okay, to be able to to reach out to the communities that are underserved so that they can get behind a, a microphone and tell their story because that's the only way our communities will grow and prosper. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. We'll be back on Buffalo What's Next after this. And this is an opportunity for you listening at home or at work in your car right now to support Buffalo What's Next a wonderful initiative that started, unfortunately, after the events of May 14th. But fortunately, WBFO had the resources in hand at that time to mount this new daily show, Monday through Friday, Buffalo What's Next, right here on WBFO, member-supported. How do you become a member? How do you support this wonderful initiative? You call 1-877-456-8870. 1-877-456-8870. Just listening to Kaz uh, Rodriguez uh, in conversation with our own Lorenzo Rodriguez. <laughs> he said, no relation. And I was thinking, wow, what Kaz said right at the very end about what Buffalo What's Next is all about. I thought that was so well put. You know, he should be on our board of directors, but wait. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) You already got him on board. That's wonderful, Catherine. Yes, exactly. We are very happy to have Kaz on our our board. He is terrific. Um, And what he is doing in the Hispanic community is truly amazing. Um, And so we, we really do, as he said, we want to give voice to those voices that aren't always heard. Uh, so, and you can help us do that by giving us a call at 877-456-8870 or WBFO.org. We are looking to expand Buffalo What's Next and expand our uh, reporting on these um, un underserved communities, unheard voices. This is something we really, really take very seriously at here at WBFO and want to continue to do. And the only way we are going to be able to do that is by you, the listener, stepping up and giving us a hand. You uh, can be a part of this. And the way you do that is give us a call at 877-456-8870 
and support us. Now, Peter, the amount? The amount is up to you, but we are strongly suggesting $5 a month because it is Tote Bag Tuesday. I know <laughs> uh, Lorenzo Rodriguez just poked his head in the door and says, I love a good alliteration. <laughs> Tote Bag Tuesday. I can't take credit for that. That actually came from uh, Ron upstairs, who is the person who's going to be sending these tote bags out. So it's Tote Bag Tuesday. This beautiful new NPR all-canvas, very heavy-duty canvas tote bag with a pocket, a long 20-inch straps, uh, extra extra reinforced. It is it is a wonderful thing to take uh, to the beach if you're going or anywhere. Uh, normally a $10 a month level uh, item, but right today. now, today on Tote today Bag only. Tuesday, today only, it's $5 a month as part of our sustainer program. Exactly. And I do want to reach out and say thank you for, to Terry from Helmberg, Sarah from Bemis Point, Sarah, we got two Sarahs, Sarahs in a row, one from Bemis Point and one from Buffalo, Jessica from Dunkirk, Charles mm. from Buffalo, Robert from Fredonia, William from Olean, June from Buffalo, Albert from Bemis, oh, two from Bemis Point, way to go, and Carl and Charles from Buffalo. Thank you for you that called. Isn't it time for you listening right now to give us a call. If Buffalo What's Next has become important to you on a daily basis, then please consider supporting it. one 456 8870 is the number to call or WBFO.org. Is the website to visit to make that pledge. If you have the app, I certainly hope you do. It's free. Download it. You'll be glad you did. There's also a donate button there on the app. But most folks are calling one 456 8870 and they're getting this ginormous tote bag, beautifully crafted, heavy-duty canvas. It really is a thing of beauty. I'm, um, I got a lot of tote bags. But I can't wait until I get this one because I've made my pledge. Where are you? one 456 8870 If you're on your way to the phone, thanks. Hello and welcome back. This is WBFO and this is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez. And uh, today we continue highlighting the Hispanic community of Western New York in an effort to address the, uh, the growing need for for Latino women in business to help bridge the inequality gap. We have a, a guest here by the name of Taiding Tapia. Can Hola. I say can I say Taiding? Or do you, do you get a lot of Tayrin? I get a lot of Tayrin, uh, or they mix up the name completely, <laughs> but Tyrene or Taiding. Taiding. Mm-hmm. Uh Taiding Tapia, you are a you are a visionary. I like that that title. Visionary Chief Empowerment. Officer for Latinas Evolving. Correct. LLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also are the founder of Dear Tiding Incorporated. We'll get into that a little bit later in, in, yeah. in the segment. But the mission statement I saw, empowering every Latina on the globe to participate in essential topics in their communities. How is Latinas Evolving tackling that? So under Latinas, the, under the Latinas Evolving umbrella, we have Latinas of Power and Influence, which is a not-for-profit organization under it. And that is created to create events throughout the year that focuses on empowering Latinas um, in ways of connecting them to connections that they may have never been connected to, um, creating events where we spotlight Latinas who are probably like the underdog, right? They're, they're working in certain um, businesses or entrepreneurs, but nobody really knows about them or nobody, know, nobody knows the work that they're doing. Um, so what I do is when I see these Latinas, I want to highlight them. I want to spotlight them and let's, let's have this conversation. Um, or create an event such as the Latinas Talk STEM event that we just had back in March and spotlighting them on a panel discussion. And talking about what are their struggles to get to the position that they were in um, and the journeys that they taken and where do they see themselves going from there. Um, and at the same time, that brings attention to the companies that um, may be looking for individuals that are underrepresented groups um, and how to tackle the culture, how to tackle um, even from starting from the recruiting process, how to start from that moment. So just having those open, honest, transparent conversations and let's change the narrative. And empowering these women to to be to be ready for the 21st century workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Latinas talk STEM. Mm-hmm. That's for for the uninformed. It's science, tech, 
engineering, mathematics. As far as emerging technology, the, the, the STEM talk, what is imparted to your audience? So with the Latinas Talk STEM event, really, again, it was talk having the panelists who have been in positions. So example, we had somebody from engineering, somebody from the mathematics who works at MNT, uh, the engineering person worked at New York Power Authority. Um, and just talking about those journeys, like what, how did they tackle going through college and taking those um, courses? Um, did they see that there was a lot of individuals that were people of color taking the same classes or were they the only one taking that class? What were those struggles going through that? Um, Latinas actually represent only 2% of the STEM workforce. So the science, technology, engineering, and math STEM um, workforce, that is the only part of it. And then Latinos, period, I think they only account about under 25% or so of the um, STEM mm. workforce. So it's a huge issue already as it is, right? Um, people of color, are also still lower, um, but in overall, Latinos actually the the smallest percentage out of um, everybody else. So where do we begin that? Um, I have been advocating for beginning that at middle school. Why don't we have programs that really give the hands-on experience to these students? Um, to show them about science, about math, of technology, um, and engineering. Now, there are some schools that are focused completely mm -hmm. on that, um, not saying all of them. But I remember when I was in elementary school, we did so many science lab type of projects. And, so, and then now in high school, I've run into high schoolers who are – deterred from even applying for college positions um, or college um, degrees that fall into STEM because they see the prerequisites. Um, they think that all these prerequisites, it's overwhelming for them to see in advance and they don't feel like they're strong enough in science or they're strong enough if, in math. So why not start having programs that are hands-on experience? Example, BOCES is a program here that focuses on the culinary, on barbershop and all of those programs. And that's amazing for high schoolers to take that for two years and they take something out of it as soon as they come out of high school so why not have this available in all schools but in stem giving them the hands-on experience to try it out to see if some this is something they would um, go into that gives them the science and math that they need and then go into college and say yeah that's absolutely what i want to go into because oh. who really knows at the age of 18 what they want to do we, we don't for, know for five seven more years after mm -hmm. that so exactly no rush. Uh, Dating, is language still an issue with the Hispanic demographic out here in, as far as starting up a business, as get, getting into the in a specific workforce? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, we have a lot of Latinos who come here to Buffalo, um, example, that came after Hurricane Maria, that come here and predominantly, predominantly speak Spanish. Um, so they are battling or struggling with trying to understand, fully understand what they need to do to get through the workforce. I worked at the Bell Center for a year and a half before the pandemic as a workforce development coordinator there. And I saw the need um, for more individuals who um, need recruiters, right, that speak Spanish or that are bilingual. Um, I had staffing agencies that were contacting me to recruit for them at that time um, because they don't have the individuals at their staffing agencies that are in recruiting positions to help them, to help with workforce development, to help them guide them as to applying for an application or for a job. Um, I could only imagine, I mean, I'm bilingual, so I don't find that struggle for myself, but I can only imagine if I only knew one language and I'm going to apply for a job, I'm overwhelmed by applying for the job or I'm overwhelmed by just even thinking about, oh my God, can I even do that? I run a Spanish department at my job and 40% of our department is predominantly speaking in Spanish. And a lot of times they will come to me and they look for that guidance as to, can you please explain to me this in Spanish, even though you said it in English and I understand it in English, but please explain it again in Spanish so that I fully understand what you're speak, you know, you're saying because I want to make sure that I'm not taking that out of context or that I'm not misunderstanding what you're telling me. You've, you've no, done numerous events like Latinas Talk STEM. You do consulting personally with Latinas one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. What other services, what other ways uh, can we help you or, or, or any of us help uh, these startup businesses? I think definitely um, making sure that 
all and, and there's a lot of companies that are out there helping. Um, I don't want to say that there is not, but we need more individuals that speak both languages to be in those positions, to be relatable faces in those spaces, um, because a lot of individuals are deterred from going or from talking to anybody because they don't see anybody like them. So we need more bilingual individuals to take on those positions and help out in those spaces. Um, with my first event was actually last year, um, and it was in co collaboration with Madai College, the first event. Um, and it was Latinas of Power and Influence, and it was talked on diversity in the workplace and overcoming obstacles. And from there, that's how Latinas Talk STEM came about, as I saw the need to let's have this conversation about the STEM field. When we were talking before, you kind of teased this event, and this mm -hmm. is another upcoming event that you have coming up. Can I divulge? Yeah, absolutely. Cafecitos con Tairin. Cafecito con Tairin. Love it. Love the name already. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. So that's an event coming up on Saturday, May 27th. That will be at the Built Without Guilt um, company. Um, so Built Without Guilt is a meal prep company owned by a Latina, Sheena Maldonado. And we will be featuring um, Latina owner, Healthy Rican owner, um, Mayra Colon. Um, and basically, it's just an event to talk about Let's Talk Business 101. And we're going to discuss Maida's journey. And she's going to explain where she's been through, how she started, where she's going to next. And then from there, um, give some 101 information to those who are looking to get to start their business or maybe those individuals who just started their business, but they maybe feel like they're in a, a part of their in business where they're kind of stuck and they want to know what are the next steps. So that's what I do with consulting, kind of just look at what where they're at, what are they doing, and then tell them what are the next steps of what things I think they should be doing to get to evolve within their business. Well, I mean, you've probably heard of spilling the tea. It's it, there. <laughs> there's there's something about that, but. When you're, you're sipping cafecito, mm -hmm. if it's if it's the good stuff, you, the, it's bound <laughs> to have good conversations around that as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm speaking with Tairin Tapia, uh, once again the 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 visionary, the 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 CEO, but chief empowerment officer mm -hmm. of Latinas Evolving. And Tairin, you mentioned others' path, their path to get to where they are. Uh, can you give me your background? Your how did uh, are you are you from Buffalo? Are you born and raised here? No. You're Puerto Rican, but how did you how did you find your way here, and how did you find your way into the the role that you've now taken on? Oh man, that's a journey all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Born in Santulce, Puerto Rico, um, and lived there till about was five years old. Came to live to New York City actually in Bronx, New York. Was raised there from the age of six till about 13 mm -hmm. and then came to Buffalo um, with my mom and my stepfather. At that time, my stepfather became legally blind. Um, so unfortunately, we had to make the switch um, because the income changed. But at the same time, Buffalo provided for us something that New York City didn't provide for us. Um, we lived in a one bedroom apartment. Um, in New York City, all of us. It was me, wow. my mom, my stepfather, my grandmother, my brother um, and my stepsister. Real, real um, comfy cozy. Yeah, so it was all of us um, and my stepbrother as well. Um, now, my sister had moved out at one point, but it was still just about five or six of us living in this one apartment. And I think back now and I'm like, oh, my God, how did we do that for so many years? Um, so when we came to Buffalo, it was amazing to have my own room finally have a great space um, where I still shared with my grandma, but it felt great just to have a room that I can close right. the door and put a poster up and not have to worry <laughs> about people coming in <laughs> to visit. Um, and so live have kind of been here since. I moved out away only like two or three times, only for like a year at a time each time, but Buffalo always called me back and have been here since. Um, and let's see, in the very brink of my 30s, I would say, is when I started my non-for-profit organization called Dear Tyrene, uh, which is raising awareness on sexual abuse while empowering those victimized. And it was during a moment that it was kind of an aha moment for me. I had went to a conference and that related to PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, and the effects that it has on sexual assault. Um, or sexual abuse. And that was when my aha moment came because for years I had suffered from PTSD and many moments that I didn't even understand. I thought it was me. I thought I was the issue that I was thinking about what happened um, to me as a child and realizing that the whole time it wasn't me. It, it was something that happened to me 
Um, and because it happened to me, these things were, these visions were coming back to me in moments where I, you wouldn't want to, them to come to you. Um, and in that moment was when I said, so I think it's because I need to confront it. I need to confront the situation at hand. I need to be able to talk about it because for years I only talked about it with select few individuals and never really got any anger out of it. You know, I, I didn't realize I was even angry about it until I really started talking about it. Um, and during a conversation with a friend, I, I caught myself, you know, being angry about what had transpired. Um, and sometimes we don't realize that, right? We push things on the side, especially when you're a child. You, you don't understand um, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, and that started with my own personal story that at the age of five, I was sexually molested by my uncle, um, who was actually, I don't even like saying my uncle necessarily, it was my aunt's husband. Um, and this was a family man, a family man who you would have never thought, according to what I've he heard of him, he was somebody who was always helping out in the family, always down to do whatever. Um, so they never saw that coming. Um, unfortunately it happened. Um, and I remember telling my grandmother something, I don't remember what, I just remember saying something and it wasn't until seventh grade that it came out. And it was only because a friend of mine in seventh grade mentioned something that had been happening to her. And so I remember telling my father's ex-wife at the time that just telling her the story of what happened to my friend and I go and tell her hey you know that happened to me right and she just looks at me like huh what are you talking about and so at that point I thought that my father probably just never told her so this whole time from the age of five until seventh grade I thought my parents knew Goodness. there was something about it that I just thought they knew I just assumed in my head that because I said something to my grandmother that they knew and then we just left it alone. Um, and so when that came about, my stepmom told my father and then my father told my mom. And so they were all kind of just wondering, like, where is this coming from? Um, and I remember having to tell my father the story. And that was probably one of the scariest moments for me, just because I had to walk like this hallway to my room, to the living room to tell my stepfather, I mean, my father and I don't know, for me, I thought that was like the longest hallway of my life just in that stretching. moment. Yes. It's like, you know, when you see a movie and you like, it just keeps going and going. That's exactly how that moment was for me. Um, but it actually wasn't. It was <laughs> it's just like 12 steps or way. something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember telling him the story. And I mean, I'm so grateful that my father by that point was a very prayerful man that he didn't let his you know, feelings get the best of him mm -hmm. and for him to go after this man. Um, but it, it we, we kind of didn't, we kind of brushed it under the rug after that. We really didn't confront it. I didn't go to counseling or anything like that. And so the years kept, you know, passing by and it would kind of come up again in different conversations with friends, individuals who may have been going through sexual harassment. What What's the definition of sexual harassment? What's the definition between of sexual molestation? And what's the difference between sexual assault and actually getting raped? The differences of all of it, right? But at the end of the day, all of them involve somebody violating your privacy or your private parts or your boundaries. Um, and so at the age of 16, same kind of situation came up. And I remember having an outburst to my mom because I just came out yelling and just was very detailed as to what happened that night. Um, and that was one of the first moments that I realized, you know, that I was upset about what happened. I had just been bottling it up um, and then up to my early 20s. And so then Dear Tyrene eventually came up. A friend of mine worded it perfectly where she said, Dear Tyrene is the beautiful aftermath from an ugly mm. truth. And it made so much sense. It was, you know, something happened to me. Um, I no longer let it define me. Um, it wasn't anything that I did that night. It was something that was completely out of my control. Um, so I feel like I'm a voice now for those who didn't make it. Those who feel that they can't speak and they find strength in my own story. And hopefully 
my story inspires or helps somebody, even just one person, to start their own healing journey. Because it's all about the healing, right? We go through these post these traumatic situations, and there's help in that moment, but there's not a lot of help for aftermath because we are the ones who are left with this to deal with for the rest of our lives. Well, it's an incredibly personal story, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I feel like from firsthand experience, uh, the Hispanic culture uh, might be different different, uh, nationalities, but uh, I'm Cuban-American, so Mm -hmm. I can speak from from my own personal experience. But I feel like we we kind of repress things sometimes. Mm -hmm. These very difficult, uncomfortable conversations get kind of subdued. We all, we like to feel good. Mm -hmm. We like to, but when we have to have those, those very tough conversations, such as this one, it, you need to sometimes just bring it out in the open. Yeah. And uh, you're doing that now with your tidying. You've hosted um, past events where, where where sexual sexual assault survivors can 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 speak, just mm-hmm. merely be speak and be heard, and just share their experiences mm-hmm. in one way or another. And I think that that's that's, that's huge. I think that's the, the first starting point to to fully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, healing yourself from 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 something so monumental. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had so many different individuals come to me to tell me their story, right? From from youth, um, and it's not discriminatory against gender, against race, against age. Um, one in four women, or one in four females, and one in five fe- males are sexually assaulted by the time they reach the age of eighteen, mm. at least one time in that lifetime. Um, and it's sad, but it's the truth. Um, and I've had males that have come to me and told me their stories, and they probably will never share it with anybody else. Oh, in the Hispanic community, that's mm-hmm. that goes against all things. The, the machismo mm-hmm. of, of being a male in the Hispanic community that goes can't you can't say these things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also society, right? Mm-hmm. Like society makes it as though okay, a female can absolutely speak up and say when a male does this to them, but. It's frowned upon if a male speaks up and other males and society makes it seem like, oh, that you should have liked that. If a woman did that to you or if a female did that to you, you should have liked that. But no, it's not right. If you have a 12-year-old boy being sexually harassed or sexually molested by a 20-year-old female or older or whatever the age is, as long as she's older than him, no, that's not right. That, that's not right. You're taking something away from a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't right what was done to me at the age of five. You know, I experienced urges that I shouldn't have been experiencing, and I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what was happening. Um, it Those are normal things that should come at a normal age when it's time for you to experience these things at that age. Um, not it being taken from you, that experience that you should have um, as a young adult. Um, we're speaking to Tyreen Tapia. Uh, she's the founder of, of, like I mentioned earlier, Latinas Evolving, uh, the CEO there, but also the founder and CEO of Dear Tyreen, um, giving giving a voice, giving a platform uh, to men and women. Mm-hmm. Right? Have you, I'm, I'm sure you've you've had male voices that have come to, to speak to you at, at the events, um, bringing awareness on 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 sexual abuse survivors um, and empowering those that that have gone through these these traumatic experiences and you have in in regards to that uh tonight you're going to be at madai university you're going to be speaking at take back the night correct it's a, a yearly event i think or it's, yes. I, I remember from from my time in college it's still going on i'm glad it is uh can you explain what the event is what it entails a little bit about it yeah absolutely unaware so um april is sexual assault awareness month and Madai University is doing an event this year in partnership with Canisius College, actually. Mm. It's their first year doing it in partnership with them. And is to bring awareness on sexual assault, have a conversation. They have a few speakers that will be speaking. Um, and it's in with the theme with the Take Back the Night. So Take Back the Night is an organization that started years ago in hopes to bring awareness on sexual assault and to show others that um, they're not alone. 
Um, I spoke at Niagara University, too, back on March 30th. Um, and, oh, my God, amazing, amazing event. They had over 200 individuals that showed up. Um, and just seeing the strength of num- in numbers, um, I became so emotional just seeing those individuals there showing a united front. Um, so I'm excited that Medai College is actually doing this in collaboration or in partnership with Canisius College. Um, they always have amazing speakers. Um, and then they do a walk around after the event, um, usually around the college. I think this year they're doing it from Medai to Canisius College. And again, to show that united front, to show the um, that there is strength in numbers um, and that there is a power in being together and holding our voices up. It's tonight at Madai University. It's going to be 5 to 8.30. Yes. Tidying, if anyone wants to reach you. We have our Instagram and Facebook pages under both Latinas Evolving and Dear Tyreen. Uh, my email address for Latinas Evolving will be tyreen at latinasevolving.com. Um, and pretty much anybody can get a hold of me there. Um, like I said, we are having the Cafecito con Tiding event on Saturday, May 27th. Save there are cup, 15 please. limited seats. 15? 15 limited seats. Um, and it is $25 a person. Okay. Um, but it does cover some pretty exciting things. So it does cover all the things that it entails about being in business. Um some one-on-one um, resources. Um, Built Without Guilt will also be making some French vanilla dirty chai, mm. a cafe con leche, oh. and some regular black coffee just to give some options, as well as uh, some smoothies. There will be some different smoothie options, and there will be some breakfast along with that as well. Can't beat that. You get you get the ins and outs of, of, of business entrepreneurship and a little caffeine joke yep. along with it. Not a little. That that if if it's like stuff I'm used to, that's that's a that gets you through the day and then right? some. uh Diding, I can't thank you enough for, for being with us, for sharing Absolutely. your, your thank story. You for having me. For for just giving us uh, uh, some of your time. Thank you so much. You're listening to WBFO News from Buffalo Toronto Public Media, WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo. WOLN Olean WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. And hi, I'm Catherine Larson here with Peter Hall. Um, that was another episode of Buffalo What's Next, um, another great episode. Uh, but right now, we are going to be asking for your support around um, programs like Buffalo What's Next, our local programming that we are working on, and our local news reporting. And you are a major part of that. So hopefully we are asking for you to give us a call at one 456 8870 or online at WBFO.org. Donate button on the app. Whatever is easiest for you works for us. Right, Peter? Absolutely. Any amount. Uh, there's no lar- amount that's too large or too small. When you want to finally decide that you're going to support this great public radio station, WBFO, at uh, one eight seven seven four five six eighty eight seventy one eight seven seven four five six eighty eight seventy. A Buffalo, what's next? Uh, everybody I know, when you mention WBFO, that's the first place they go. Oh, we love Buffalo. What's mm-hmm. next? The circumstances that immediately led to Buffalo, what's next? Unfortunate, the May fourteenth shootings, but. Fortunately, it wasn't just, you know, a one-time response. It has been going now for the whole year and looks like it's going to continue into the future. And the cool thing that I just learned today from Catherine, who's on the other microphone, is that one of the reasons Buffalo What's Next could get on the air so rapidly, so quickly, was because it's 100% funded by listeners. Listeners who had already called one eight seven seven four five six eighty eight seventy. That's just a tremendous, tremendous testament to the power of listener support. Please join all the other listeners. Join Catherine. Join me. We're supporters as well by calling one eight seven seven four five six eighty eight seventy. Exactly, and we're hoping to expand um, into other topics, other regions. We want to expand it outside of the just the Buffalo area, though that is really important. But we want to. Um, um, add to our local programming for um, and make it really, really, um, you know, to where it is all about local here at WBFO. We have a new series coming up on the weekend, Mindful Music, Saturdays at 7. That's going to be coming up. No, nope, I'm wrong on that. Um, Saturdays at 4. Um, and right. we're pleased to have that. That's a local 
local show on how music becomes so integral in our lives, which I think Peter has a little bit to know about that, too. Oh, uh, I, I highly <laughs> applaud. Uh, but the, uh, the reason why you thought uh, you said seven, uh, every Saturday at seven, starting May 20th, will be the Great Lakes Odyssey Radio Hour. That's so right. another initiative. Mm-hmm. And then we have something coming along on uh, Friday at uh, 11 o'clock as well. Mm-hmm. So all new initiatives that are all made possible by member support. Now, we're going to get to the big question that everyone wants to know, how much should I give? And the answer is always the same. Give what you can. Give what makes you feel good, but not too much because we don't want you to feel bad. <laughs> so it's all about feeling good. It's good. Yeah. And you will feel great when you make that $5 a month commitment on an annual uh, basis at $60. $5 a month is a part of our sustainer plan because then you qualify this Tuesday only, Tote Bag Tuesday, for the new all canvas, heavyweight canvas, absolutely gorgeous Buffalo NPR tote bag. You're going to love this thing. They're calling it a boat tote because, you know, it does look kind of like boaty, like if you were out on the beach. It, it's not your regular shopping bag. It is not. not. It is awesome. It's heavyweight canvas with a pocket on the side. Uh, the bottom is a black canvas, so, you know, you can set it down on the sidewalk and it won't get scuffed. It's a gorgeous thing. It's huge. <laughs> I could go into the list of everything you could put in it, but time tells me I have to give you the phone number now. one 456 8870 If you're at your computer, you can make a pledge at wbfo.org, and thanks.